Okay, so uh, I'm actually not going to be preaching this morning. I have the opportunity to introduce my friend Ken Dillard to you guys. Uh, Most of you probably know Ken. He hangs around a lot. Um, He has been on this campus way longer than I have. How how many years have you been on the campus? Ken has been here for 25 years, so longer than most of you have been alive. Um, So he he knows a few things about life. Uh, He knows he's been following Jesus for a long time. He's a really wise guy. Um, in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, and uh, I'm excited to hear from him this morning. So let's give a hand to Ken Dillard. It's nice to be introduced as a wise guy. Yeah. I uh, just have a quick thing to tell you about the shoebox things. So I'm sitting in Uruguay several years ago on a mission project with some students. And it's one of the few places I've ever been where I actually get internet. And so I'm Skyping back and forth with my wife every now and then. But I've got my thing and I'm tagged in on Facebook and I get this friend request from a young lady named Leslie. And I'm like, you know, how do I know you? Because it could be like stalker or something. I don't know. And and she goes, I got your shoebox a couple of years ago. I'm like, get out. And we've been Facebook friends and talking and visiting ever since. Been about four years now. She's a believer and she just loves the Lord. But she got my shoe box. Get you a box quick if you don't have one. They're really good things. So I was asked to come and work into this teaching in Matthew that you guys are doing. And I was given a section of verses that are, could be very familiar to you. Uh, basically, they can be taught in three different teachings. You can teach one on the immediacy and expedience of prayer. Go see, you know, ask, seek, and knock. You can talk about being generous and giving good gifts because your father knows how to give good gifts. Or you can talk about treat others like you want to treat yourself. And I was reading through this passage and I began to see where, you know what, this is not three separate teachings. It's three steps into one real strong emphasis, I believe, that I find in the Word of God. So I think we're going to have it up. Yeah, Never Give Up was my assigned title. It's not going to work, okay? We'll just call it God's Good Gift. But it's that same passage in Matthew. Ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who searches will find, and the door will be opened for everyone who knocks. Would you, would any of you, give your hungry child a stone if the child asks for some bread? Would you give your child a snake if the child asks for a fish? As bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. But your heavenly Father is even more ready to give good gifts to people who ask. So treat others as you want them to treat you. This is what the law and the prophets are all about. This is what the law and the prophets are all about. And this is where we will begin today with the very last phrase of that passage, with the law and the prophets. Because with the last line, we're basically looking at a reference to the Bible of their day. So when Jesus is going to quote the Bible, he's going to quote the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is normally divided into three sections for, you know, just organizational sake. There's the law, which is the first five books. There's a section in there called the writings, which includes the histories and the poetries and things like this. And then there's the prophets, the big ones, the little ones, all of this. Commonly just the 
Bible of their day referred to the Law and the Prophets. So this is where we're seeking, and we're going to seek the gift that is given to us, which is the Word of God. This, I mean, it's the time of year, right? This is like when we're all thinking gifts. We're buying shoebox stuff, and you got to know, my wife, Mary Kay, is here, and she has like one of the best shoebox jobs in the world. A church that we belonged to for a long time up in Mount Healthy, two different Bible study groups get together and they take up money for the shoeboxes and they give it to my wife. And other people give my wife money to go shop with. I love this. She goes to the dollar stores and the dollar generals and the dollar trees and the dollar whatevers and buys and buys and buys. And we just have it all over our bed in, in my son's room where he's no longer there. And, and just, we just have fun playing with, I have fun playing with all the toys and she piles them all into the box and I get to take them out and repack them and all that stuff. But giving gifts is what this time of season begins and we're rolling into the, the Christmas break and, and all of this kind of stuff. The gift that God gives us is the Word of God, the specific God-breathed, inspired revelation of Himself. And so with that as kind of the intro, let's look at these passages with that as kind of the, the, the frame of everything. Ask and you will receive, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. Everyone who asks will receive, everyone who searches will find, and the door will be open for everyone who knocks. So you go, you go to God in prayer, and, and you're seeking to get an answer to a question. You're seeking a favor from God. You're, you're asking of God. And it shows here initiative on your part, on my part, to go to God. It shows also that we go expecting a response, right? Ask, seek, and knock. And often this is taught about prayer, so we, we, we just really go to God and we're asking, seek. but what if our going to God is to go to God through his word? This is the revelation, right? This is what he gave us. So when we go into scripture, how do we know unless we go dig deep, if we ask, if we seek, if we knock? Think about your pursuit of education. You're here at a fine institution of higher learning, which just because I've been here so long, I still can't find my way out of the DAP building. <laughs> and I've never been in some of the buildings on campus because they're just creepy, and you have to go there every day, okay? But think of this as a chance for you to compare your time spent in your study of methods in your studies of mechanics, in your studies of ministrations of any kind, how much time do you spend every week studying those things? And how much time do you spend studying the Word of God? This is the revelation of the holy God of the universe. This is the revelation. This is the one who gives us every good thing. And we are invited by Him. Ask. I'll answer. Seek. Dig. Deep. I'm there for you to find. And if you knock, if you will come with that kind of initiative, it's there and I will open it up to you. How much time do you spend studying the Word of God in comparison to studying math? Ugh. How much time do you spend? But, okay, 
It's real easy for the preacher guy to come in and talk about we should all spend, you know, like 20 hours a week reading the Word of God, 30 hours a week studying, reading all the commentaries that people have written over the ages and all this stuff, really getting it. It's really easy for the preacher guy to come in and say that stuff. And I'm really not trying to lay this guilt trip on you like, I'm going to quit studying my schoolwork and study the Bible because preacher Ken said, let's do this. I'll explain it to my parents later when the grades come in. You get the rest of your life to study the Word of God over and over and over and over. You probably won't spend the rest of your life in macroeconomics. But you get to spend the rest of your life in the Word of God. But you probably won't. Unless you start now. Unless you create a habit, unless you create a pattern in your life, you probably won't study it deeply. Unless you, I had a friend who was like a mentor to me in the faith. As a college student, I met him. He would come around and he would speak on different campuses and um, he would really talk about how to memorize scripture and and the study of the Word of God and, and put it deep in your heart. And as a college student, he himself began memorizing three verses a week. And every week, he and his wife, uh, they met doing this in college and, and they married and, and all through their married life. But he memorized and reviewed Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. And he would come on campus here and walk around among the students and just getting conversations. And before you know it, he's like sharing Scripture, just Man, I don't know where he gets all this stuff. He doesn't know just verses. He knows like passages and chapters and books and all that because he has spent 40 years of his life hiding it in his heart. And I always felt deeply, deeply challenged and deeply, deeply insufficient in my Bible knowledge. But he always inspired me to keep digging into the Word of God. And as he got older... The last time I had him come to UC, which was probably 10 years ago, as he got older, he was beginning to deal with memory issues. He was in his mid-70s, late 70s, and he began dealing with memory issues, and he, he confided in me one day. He said, Ken, it's beginning to where I'm, I don't remember some passages that I know that I've memorized. They're in my review stack, but I'm not remembering them. And then he looked at me and he said something I will never forget. And I will pass this to you right now. He said, but the ones I memorized first as a college student are the ones I remember the best today. Put the word of God deep in your heart, beginning now. What is the definition of now? Now might be, you know, because you're young and and all this kind of stuff. Now might be because you're, you're early in your walk, pursuit of the Lord. Now might just be because... You've not started yet, so now. But do this now, asking, seeking, knocking. What kind of questions are you going to ask God if you want to get to know God? And we always, you know, I think you guys have even done this on one of your outreach tables. What's a question you would ask God, you know? And you get a lot of the same kind of questions over and over, but you get some really interesting ones sometimes. But what kind of questions, if you want to know God and you had a chance to sit in front of him, what are the questions you would begin to ask him? 
ask them of his word. And if you seek those answers in the word, they will be there for you. So in that first section, ask, seek, and knock, because this is the gift of God, his word. The second section, would any of you give a hungry child a stone? If the child asked for some bread, would you give him a snake if he asked for some fish? As bad as you are, see the Bible knows this, as bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children, but your heavenly father is even more ready to give good things to people who ask. It's like going to Christmas time. I remember when our children were young and we're sitting there trying to think, what do we want to get the kids for Christmas? And one of my children wanted, you know, the drum set. Do we get the child the drum set or do we get the child the globe? You know, the globe is an educational device. You guys don't even have any more. You just Google stuff. But we had globes in my day. They're little round things, and they kind of spin. I have one on my desk. Come by and see it. And do we get them the globe? Because when Daddy travels with students, Mommy can always go and say, this is where Daddy is over here. This is where, you know, this is where Daddy is over here. And, and all this. We should get the child a globe. That would be a better gift. We know how to give good gifts. I got him the drum set, by the way. (laughs) It stayed in our garage for a while. It stayed in the basement for a while. He played it for a while, bent it up for a while. And it's in a box, actually, over at the collegiate house. I'm trying to get rid of some pieces. If you need some really small drum set pieces, I've got them for you. Um, We know how to give good gifts. So does God. And the good gift that he's given us is the word of God. So we, we come to God, and you have to be careful how you come to God looking for gifts, though, right? You humble your heart, you come before the holy God of the universe, and you say, oh, dear, glorious God of the universe, I need a gift. And really, you know, your, your parents taught you how to be polite and all this kind of stuff, so you just kind of come in and maybe you just ask God, you know, I just need a small gift. I just need to pass chemistry. Just a small gift. You think, that's not a small gift. It's been a long time since I've had chemistry. It gets smaller as the years go by. The story is of the king who was one day feeling very benefactory towards his people, and he decided to be benevolent. And so he said to his counselors there at his right hand, open the doors, let the people come in and ask me anything they want to ask of me. I feel generous today. So the one guy came in and he said, Oh, king, may you live forever. As you know, my land borders a part of where your land is. And I only have like a hundred acres to raise crops on and and feed my family and take care of all my people in my group. And and, king, I was wondering, could you give me a hundred acres of your land? That's a lot of land. Yeah. Yeah, you get it. Make a note. He gets 100 acres next to his stuff. Whoa, pretty cool. Next, comes in. So, king, glorious king, live forever. I am in debt. And my family is in debt. And this is a debt 
that we've incurred, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, and we're never going to be able to repay this debt. And this man is oppressive, and he has taken my children as collateral against this debt, and I just don't know what we're going to do. Is there any way that you could pay my debt for me? It's very large, and I will never. And the king looked at him, and he said, absolutely. Whatever his debt is, pay it, and make sure he gets his kids. Wow. Who's next? The next guy comes in, and he's in chains. I don't know how he got out, but he got before the king, and he said, oh, king, live forever. I am condemned to life in prison for the next little while, and then my life is over. I'm condemned to death. And I'm asking you to give me life. Would you give me this freedom? And the king looked at him. And he said, yes. Make sure this man is set free. And release him right now. Wow. Who's next? Next guy comes in. Oh, king, live forever. You are glorious. You are great. You are you're so rich and wealthy and powerful. I am I'm ashamed and I'm fearful to even be here. Could, could I just have your autograph? And the king looked at him and said, absolutely not. Get out. And the people were like, wait a minute. He gave land. He gave, you know, money. He gave freedom. And he won't even give an autograph. What? And the counselor comes over and he says, you know, tugs on his robe and he says, uh, King, what's up? This guy just asked for so little, an autograph, and you don't give it. And the king said, I am the king. When you come to me, you should ask of me that only things only that the king can do. Anybody can write their name. When we come to God and we ask for a gift of God, do you hold back? Does it bother you to think about asking God for some crazy thing? Because, well, what if, what if he, you know, what are you thinking? He maybe can't do it. I, I get it. We should humble our hearts for God. We shouldn't come to God going, I want a pony, I want a pony, I want a pony. That's not what I'm talking about. But what if you as a church began to pray, God, I want your kingdom to be so great on this nation. I want your kingdom to be so great right here on our campus that when we meet as a church, that 15,000 people would come together and meet and we would have to meet at Nippert because there's no other place on this campus for us to meet. That so your name would be great and your name would be glorious. Feel like praying for that? 15,000 people. I've, I've, had, you know, I've shared it before and, and I've got this crazy idea that you know, it, it, could, it can happen. And so my students said, they'd never let us like, meet at Nippert every week. And I'd say, yeah, they would. 15,000 of their students here, they'd build a cover over Nippert just to let you meet in there all year long. God, move in a mighty way. God, grant us something that shows your glory, your splendor. Yes, you can ask for the smaller things, but please don't be afraid because God knows how to give good gifts. And the biggest and best gift that God has given us has been 
himself. He has given us himself in his word so that we could know him. We come to God and we ask for gifts because we know his heart is good, right? We can come to God and we can ask him because we know his heart is good. How do we, I don't know that we know God's heart. I don't think we understand the the essence of, of really what it is to know God's heart sometimes. To know God's heart is centered around this idea of his omniscience. Let's, let's package it this way and, and shine a little light on it. To know God's heart is all about his God knows everything. And if God knows everything, he knows your story. Now, when you, guys, when you get a chance to speak at a gathering like this, you do a lot of research, you read, you do a lot of study, you come up and you dig deep to find great quotes from huge theological minds. Mr. Rogers said, there's no person you would not love if you only knew their story. That's one of his favorite quotes. There's no person you would not love if you only knew their story. Like, if you only knew what was going on in their life, maybe they were rude to you this morning and and your first reaction is, forget you. But maybe you wouldn't feel that way if you knew that on the way to work that they had had an accident, somebody had run into their car. Maybe you wouldn't act like that if you knew that they were distracted because they had a debt coming due that they did not have the money for and they were worried about what, you know, how they were going to pay. We don't know the story of people. And so it's hard for us to love them sometimes. It's hard. We're okay with ourselves. Yeah, I can say something stupid. I'm pretty good at that. I can be rude. I can be, you know, thoughtless. Ask my wife. But I can work through that because I know my own story. Well, I was just distracted. I wasn't paying attention or something. I can, because I know me, I can put up with me. But we don't know everybody else, right? It would be easier for us to love people if we began to know their story. Lately on campus, when I'm up at Miami, I've, I've set up a t- and I've sat there and I've, I've put my picture cards out and people come by and say, what's this all about? And I'm going like, I want you to tell me your story. And I, I'll give you some pictures you can use to tell me who you are, what you're about. I just want to know their story. And they look at me like, why? And I said, because probably nobody asked you for your story today or this week or this month or since you've been to school. And they're kind of like, oh, yeah. And they tell me about themselves. How much does God love you? And is how much does God want to know, want you to know him? He loves you and he knows your story. That's what the word of God tells us. You think you know how to give good gifts because you know your children, you know your parents, you know your friends, you know your relatives, you know whoever. You know how to give good gifts. But you, even being so bad, can do that. But what about God who knows your story and so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him doesn't perish but lives forever with him. He knows your story and he gives you the good gift. 
since God knows everything about us and he's able to understand us, we get this last piece of the puzzle. Treat others as you want them to treat you. This is the golden rule, right? Everybody's got it. And in fact, in a lot of other spiritual writings, there are versions of this statement. But this is so handy for us. This is what the law and the prophets is all about. Treat others as you want to be treated. My six-year-old grandson is beating on my three-year-old grandson. And when the three-year-old grandson turns around and clubs his older brother, the older brother complains. He said, that's how you've been treating him. Why wouldn't he want to treat you that way? This lesson will sink in eventually. When the Old Testament was recorded in the prophets, these old guys who would speak these words, it was usually in times of crisis. And their, their job was to provide direction, wisdom during these crisis times. And so they would say, thus saith the Lord. But the relevancy of biblical prophecy is not just in the information revealed to the audience at the time, But the relevancy of the biblical prophecy for you today is in the circumstance of your understanding the nature of God today. That's what the law and the prophets are all about. That's what the word of God is all about. That God gives you this great gift so that you understand him. Now, treat others as you want them to treat you. Simple enough, right? How have you treated God lately? Oh, wait a minute. I made time for him. It's Sunday. Look, here I am. How have you treated God and you want God to treat you in such a fashion? So how often do you talk to God? How often do you think about God? How often do you consider God and give him good gifts? What in the world kind of gift could I give God? The man who has everything, the guy who created everything, the the being of God, of all, you know, whatever, God, how, what could I give God? When my children were very young and they would bring me something, you know, I didn't need that stuff. My refrigerator was full of those pictures already. You know what? I loved it. I wanted it. It blessed me. For them to bring me something that they had drawn, made, whatever. I didn't need it. I didn't have to have it. I didn't, I liked it. Because it's, it's a response to them because they love me. What do you give God? What have you given God lately? How have you treated God lately? Because how you treat God... How do you treat others? You treat them like you want to be treated. So if you're wanting God to love you, if you're wanting God to forgive you, if you're wanting God to strengthen you, if you're wanting God to do all these things for you, what are you doing for God? I think this little passage is very <coughs> is very interesting in that it can be taught, you know, three different teachings or, or something like this. But when you put it all together under the caption of the word of God, this is what the law and the prophets are all about. Ask, seek, and knock, because it's there. 
God has put it there for us. And he knows how to give us good gifts. And the best gift he's given us is himself in the revelation of both his word and his son. And now we just need to learn how to treat God. And the judgment, Jesus taught us that, you know, a lot of it's going to be looked at like how you treated other people, how you treated the less fortunate, how you treated the widow, the orphan, the stranger in the land. Oh my gosh, that is such a political topic right now. I'm not going there very much, but let me go there a little bit. Because I have been handed letters from people who are afraid of how they're going to be treated, how their family's going to be treated, how their children will be looked at in public. And I'm not quite sure where all this fear comes from. I, I get, you know, I, I hear the arguments and I hear the discussions, but I promised myself the next time I got to speak, which just happens to be with you, that I would tell you to treat other people as you want to be treated. Everybody. Tall or short. Thin or not so thin. Old or young, Caucasian or any other color, because they're all colors. Wealthy or poor, sick or well, advantaged or disadvantaged, treat other people as you want to be treated. Like when they're in prison or when they're sick or when they're in distress. And God will bless you for that. And you'll say, but Lord, we would have treated you that way if we'd have seen you that way. And he said, you've had the poor with you this whole time. You've had the disadvantaged with you this whole time. So for my last 30 seconds of politicalness here, be good to one another. And don't put up with injustice. Because this honors your father. This is giving a good gift to your father when you give this kind of gift to your brothers and sisters. And I'm going to treat God the way I want him to treat me, right? Let me close it with this. Ask, seek, and knock back at the top. You don't, you don't understand the power and the, the word of God, his presence, his revelation, his, his deal. You don't get it. When you're not in relationship. Oh, I like relationships. I did a wedding yesterday for a dear friend. It was a lot of fun. It was an outdoor wedding. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> One day late. But if you're not in a relationship with God, you don't understand how much he loves you. I married my wife 37 years ago and some change. And... I loved her then, and I was in a relationship with her, obviously then, but the more that I've learned about her in this relationship, the deeper our love goes for each other. But it had to start with the I do's, like Aaron and Kristen said yesterday. It has to start somewhere. So you ask God, can we start? Some of you have already started this relationship with God. Some of you have already been pursuing this relationship with God. Some of you have thought about it, but uh, I just don't know if I want to do that or not. 
This, you know, it's like we're going to cheat God as much as we can, get as much sin in as we can, and at the last minute we're going to repent or something. Doesn't always work that way. So if you haven't started the relationship, according to this scripture, if you ask, you, you'll get the answer. If you seek, it'll be there for you, this relationship with God. If you just knock, he'll open up to you. So often we hear about, you know, I've been around church stuff a long time, and the phrase is, you know, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, and he wants to come in. Let me just kind of back that around for you. You need to be knocking on the door of Jesus. You need to be asking, may I come into you? Because when you come into Jesus, you get the forgiveness, and you get the salvation that he promises, but you get the life and you get the depth of his omniscience. He knows all about you anyway. There's nothing he's not going to know. And he's going to have you come in. If you haven't begun that walk yet, it's easy to do. Come talk to me afterwards. I'll be hanging out. Talk to your staff folks. Talk to your leaders. They'll tell you. This is how you do it. I know some of you have been going out on campus and just praying with people and sharing with people the love of God. Good for you. Talk to each other. This is what God wants. Here's the gift. Dig in it. You'll find it. It's there. His revelation is complete. And it's a good gift. It's the best gift you could know. Treat God like you want to be treated. Let's pray. So, Father, we want to come to you and we want to ask that you speak to us, that you teach us, that you give us a knowledge of your presence with us so that we can, so that we can know you, so that we can have you. Because, God, we need you. So in this last final round of our time here, reveal yourself to us one more time, please. Because we are woefully short without you. We know you love us. We know you give us so amazing things that you give us. Father, don't let us be so proud or so stubborn that we don't know how to receive a good gift when it's offered. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.